0: All right, well, I didn't, I don't know that any of you um, were taking notes then, but you were just given a secret. When you get pulled over, you know what the three prongs are now. So you're, you're you know, that's free, that is free. Yeah, that's worth coming just right there, isn't it? And I, we, we all expect 10% of the money you saved from that knowing that secret as well. Well, um, we've been walking through the longings of Jesus during this Advent season. What are some of Jesus' unfilled desires? It it almost is uh, hard to to fathom, isn't it, to think, wait a minute, Jesus is God and he has unfilled desires, uh, unfulfilled desires. He has longings. Um... That we find particularly in his prayer, and and today um, another secret it really isn't a secret. It's right here in the text. Will I think find his greatest longing, his deepest desire? And as is often the case, we, again we find it in, in both a time of prayer and a time of real stress. That's where our deepest longings. Come out. Our passage is in John chapter twenty. Um, it's found on page 875. seventy. I'm sorry, John chapter twelve, starting with verse twenty. It just caused a little heart attack for Matthew up on the video desk. Um, give him CPR and get back on so you can put it up when it's time. But it's it's right in. in uh, if you're looking at John chapter uh, twelve again, eight seventy five in your pew Bible, um, it's right after what we've just celebrated. It's right after the triumphal entry. It's right after everybody is gathered in song with palm branches, praising the name of Jesus as he enters into Jerusalem. Uh, Right after that, right after that victorious parade, that we jump into this interaction of Jesus and that we find his greatest and deepest longing is to glorify the name of the Father. That is the very central focus and deepest longing of his life. Let's pray together. Uh, Gracious God, uh, we thank you for your written word. And we um, ask now that your living word, your Holy Spirit within us would um, uh, open our minds, our our hearts, our very souls to, to hear from you. What you have for us as a people, what you have for us as individuals. Speak to us. And uh, we need you. We desire to receive from you the real words of life. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right. uh, John chapter 20, starting with... I'm sorry. I keep doing this. Chapter 12. Sorry, Matthew. Starting with verse 20. Now, among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks... They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, "'Sir, we wish to see Jesus.' Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, "'The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies,' Now my soul is troubled. What should I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. So uh, you know, at the beginning of the passage, right after the, the, the parade, right after Jesus has now been lifted up and high, now some Greeks want to meet with him. That, that's a really good thing. I mean, for someone that's going to be in a position of power, right? He's going to be the king, right? That's why this parade was there to make Jesus the king. This is a great way to expand his base. Because Greeks are not Jews. Greeks are the Gentiles. They're they're the other group. I mean, this group was totally Jewish. And so now Jesus is going to expand his base. Philip and Andrew, some of his Jewish followers, are like, this is great. Because now he's going to take over the world. Not just Israel, but he's going to take over the whole world. Because the Greeks are here and they're wanting to meet with him. Great opportunity to really expand the power, you know, to really play on the the pleasure of the moment. And so they come up to Jesus. And if if this isn't the most discontinuous line of conversation that I've ever seen in my life. Because then Jesus goes on some depressing statement about hating your life or you lose it, you know, that if you want to keep your life, you got to give it away. You, you you got to lose your life in order to really have life. I mean, it's a common teaching. It was what he did all the time. He, he said this a number of times, but it seems totally unrelated. But in actuality, it's perfectly related to the moment that Jesus is going through and to share with us his deepest longing. Because what he turns, what he's saying to Philip, what he's saying to Andrew is this is not the way. This is not why I was sent. This is not how my hour is going to be lived by corralling more and more political power. So really playing on the the, the pleasure of higher and higher fame for me. This is not my hour. This is the way of life. The way of life is like a seed that has to die. And then grows forth bountiful fruit. This is the way of life. That you don't pursue your own life. You don't pursue your own power. You don't pursue your own pleasure. I'm not here to pursue my power. I'm not here to pursue my pleasure. It makes a lot of political sense, but it makes absolutely no sense when it comes to the plan of God and God's power and God's pleasure. Yeah, Think about that. Seed there that he shares that that story of that seed um, uh, we were just talking before the, the service about how just a little seed you know a little acorn lies a huge oak tree, and in a huge oak tree um, uh, it means bunch and bunch of more acorns, and at least a few of the acorns will survive the deer and the squirrel and make more trees. I was thinking about. Just playing with this. A rebellious seed. Could you imagine that sort of a rebellious seed? You know, that you're, you're ready to, to plant the seed, to stick it down deep into the dirt and the muck and the uncertainty and the death and the transformation and the change that's going to happen under the ground. And that seed's like, no, stop. I'm not going this way. No, Master Gardener. Aren't you here, Master Gardener, to care for me? Aren't you here to, to uh, so that I avoid the pain? Aren't you here so that I maximize the pleasure? Well, this, this is not, I can see, this is not a way to minimize the pain and maximize the pleasure. I think it, you're supposed to be here so that maybe I can sit in my comfortable chair next to some still waters. I remember reading about that. And just the right amount of sun and some nice food and beverage. And that, that sounds like the way that I'm supposed to live, says the rebellious seed to the gardener. I mean, isn't that what we think a good gardener would be? But Jesus here is teaching the way of faith and life it's a hard one. It, it's a really hard one. If you want to keep your life, you got to lose it. you, you got to let it go. I mean, it's a natural response for, for all of us to, to want to take the power, take the pleasure, you know, take advantage. you got to strike while the iron's hot, right? I mean, so Jesus, they are just now praising your name. Some Greeks are ready to meet you. you got to take it. That's not God's plan. And Jesus is fully vested in following the plan of the Father. He has submitted His way to the Father. I mean, there is a competition going on in Jesus, in every human being. Do we want to pursue our power, our pleasure, or do we want to pursue God? That's stark. But that's what He's saying To follow him, he says, means to get ready to die. To self, to my own plan, to my own pleasure, to my own power, and live for God's. That's what he's saying. And that's what leads to life. I mean, uh, we're in basketball season. March Madness is upon us, right? Well, and and anybody that knows with a a jump shot, you know, the goal of basketball is to get that ball in that hoop. That's the goal. If you can do that more than the other team, you know, and score more points, you win. I mean, so that is the goal. But you, you, nobody shoots a, a, a jump shot like this, looking at the ball. They, no, they're looking at the goal. The the ball is right here. They don't, they don't study the ball or anything like that. They're looking at the goal and their shot is is towards the goal. They keep their eye there on where they're going. It, 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 Jesus is saying, Don't keep your eye on your life. Don't 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 make your plans for your to, to pursue your pleasure and avoid pain. No, you keep your eyes on this goal. This is what leads to life. It's a harsh, strong teaching, but it it makes sense, doesn't it? If there really is a God who created us, a God who created each one of us uniquely and a God who created all that is, doesn't it make sense that he knows what's better and what really brings life than you do or I do or that we do even all combined? What Jesus is about to show us is if we focus our attention and direction on the goal, if we we align our desires on Him, on God the Father, then that leads to life-abundant. That leads to the the seed of our lives being planted in the scary, dirty soil where then it dies, where then it transforms. and, And it leads to many more plants and fruits and even more seeds. But if we try to keep our focus just on protecting the seed, it only leads to some dried out, dead powder later on. What Jesus is saying is, don't make your attention. Don't put your attention on money, pleasure, your future, your house, your job, your fame, your own safety, your own family. Don't put your attention there to the exclusion of me. Put your attention on me. Follow me. I will be with you. Now, as we follow him, that will lead to, to gifts beyond we can, what he, we can even imagine. But lose your life. Keep your eye on the goal. Not on the ball. Don't spend your life trying to avoid pain and suffering or even death. That's what he's about to show us. And don't spend your life pursuing the desires and pleasures of life. Follow me. And if you don't believe me, then watch. I'll be an example for you right here. Jesus then gathers with the Father. And we're told that His his soul is troubled. It's shaken to its core. This is real. This is real stuff. This is agony. In the fullness of His humanity, there is agony and terror and fear because He knows what next Friday brings. And if he's going to focus on his own life, if he's going to focus on pursuing his own pleasure, if he's going to focus on avoiding his own pain, man, now's the time to run. Now's the time to duck out. And that's what he wants. God, save me from this hour. Save me from this hour. And in, in, in the other gospels, uh, they uh, that recorded a little differently, probably happened um, uh, an additional time or a number of times during this week where Jesus says, uh, take this cup from me. This cup of, of suffering, this cup of pain that is upon me. Take this cup from me. And he, In his heart, in his soul, he wants to run and avoid the pain right now. Save me, he says. Save me from this hour. Salvation, he says. Give me salvation from this hour. No. No. is the answer. And Jesus knows that's the answer because that's not the purpose for which He was sent. He was not sent just to save His own life. And then His, his deepest longing comes out. No, this was this, my hour is to glorify Your name, to accomplish Your plan because it is good, it is right, it is life giving. As he obeys the plan of the Father, he demonstrates and he accomplishes God's righteous, just love. And this is Jesus' deepest longing. To show in obedience the true character of the Father. As he sees what the next five days are going to mean, he keeps his eyes on the prize... He keeps his eyes on the Father for for our salvation and for the very glory of God's name. And he's showing us in our lives as much as that there is a competition going on within us. A competition within our very souls. To live according to the ways of the world. To live according to what minimizes my pain and what maximizes my pleasure. I mean, that's, that's our, our natural bent there is to do that and Jesus is showing us the way. No, don't, I mean, now don't, now don't do the opposite. Don't avoid pleasure and run to pain either. Because that's just doing the same thing in the opposite direction. His point is, no, those are, are secondary when it comes to following after me. There will be times, just as we see here, that according to the Father's plan, we will face pain and suffering. And in, that, in, that, in those situations, do what Jesus does. I mean, there's no facade with God. You know, be real. Hey, take me out of this. I don't want to be in this. This hurts. I don't even understand what's going on. Be real. I don't mind at all. I never were. People say, well, I'm angry with God. Okay, great. He can handle it. He's good. My, What, what troubles me is when someone says, I'm not talking anymore. Or because they're so focused on their, their pain and loss. And I don't mean to minimize pain. I mean, Jesus is about to endure innocent suffering of the highest degree. So they don't minimize the pain and the loss. I mean, this, this is not an easy thing. <laughs> I mean, it's real easy for me to talk about it. But it's a whole other thing for us to live it. So I, I don't mean it all. Yeah, to To minimize at all, but in our pain in our suffering, be real. Jesus tells us he's there now if, if we're we're following after him he he told him, I will be there in the midst of it, if you follow me, you're going to have the same thing happen, and I am there in the midst of it. be real with him, and he'll be real with you, just as he was with Jesus. He says, but I want to glorify your name. He says, well, you have. I have glorified my name, and I will glorify my name in and through you. And, and be aware that there are times that come that, that we don't avoid the pain. And, and this is a really a hard one because we have placed, we have made God in the image of sort of our heavenly ibuprofen. I mean, in a way, that's sort of God's purpose. In our minds, uh, so our, our purpose is that God is here to help me avoid the pain. We're like that rebellious seed, right? No, don't don't put me down into the ground. I'm going to have to change down there. It's going to get dirty. It's going to get messy. It's going to get yucky. I don't want to go down there. And aren't you supposed to help me avoid the pain? No. It, that, that's not God's plan and purpose at all. Matter of fact, God is so brilliant, He uses pain in order to accomplish His purposes. I mean, that, that's the case even for, for this privileged, firstborn, affluent white boy. It, it doesn't face much pain. They do not face much pain in, in this life. Certainly not anywhere near as much as a lot of you have faced. But I know that when the pain, when the loss, when the grief comes, that leads me to my knees. And God, in the way that he brings life out of death, takes pain and loss and and turns it upside down, inside out, and leads me to him. In the midst of that pain, if I'm not too busy trying to avoid it. If I, I stop in the moment and look for him. I mean, it's a great upside-down, inside-out gift. My my football coach, Coach Reynolds, would use a technical term for this. Say, That's cattywampus. <laughs> this is cattywampus. But Jesus shows us, and then he leads us. He says, now, so don't... don't Don't make the purpose of your life to to pursue the, the, the pleasure or to avoid the pain. Make your purpose, your longing, your deepest desire, the glory, the fame, the good work of God in the world. That is Jesus' longing as he faces the cross. Friends, for us, in our obedience, in our obedience to God... We demonstrate his character and display his glory. In our obedience to God, we experience life. And Jesus is our greatest example showing us the reality of making God the Father the central focus, desire, longing of our lives. This is what leads to life forever, today and forever. And Jesus is showing us, I mean, mean, He's fully God, He's fully human. And He lives, He shows us how to live lives in this form. That to, and all that we do in the church is to, uh, in a sense, corral our desire and longings and continue to transform them more and more so that our focus is on Him. I mean, it's in, uh, uh, the, the, in Matthew, as, as Matthew records these conversations between Jesus and between the Father... Where Where he says, Take this cup from me, but if you're not going to take th- this cup from me you know I-, I want ultimately to do what you want, not what I want, that your will be done, and what's the result I mean this is faith, this is trust, this is what it means to follow jesus what is the what is the result as he is not going to pursue pleasure. He's not going to pursue His power. He's not going to avoid the pain. He's going to follow the plan of the Father. What is the result? His death and resurrection and victory over sin, over judgment, over guilt, over death for the whole world and for all who follow Him. That's the Master Gardener. And the obedient seed bringing life to the world forever. Jesus' greatest longing is fed by his faith in the Father. That if he pursues the glory of his name, if he pursues the plan of the Father... That is the way of life forever. Now, for us, as his children, as his followers, our journey together is to help one another, to encourage one another, to long for the same thing, to be an obedient, faithful people, longing for the glory. For the fame of God. And watching him multiply the life. Amen.